They submitted themselves. They said, hey, I'm going to do what, what's required of me for the betterment of the whole. And that's what you and I as Christians are to do. For the better of the group, for the better of the whole sometimes, it's better just to deny yourself. Now, in our culture, it says don't let anyone walk on you. Don't let anyone step on you. Don't let the man hold you down. Don't whatever. Jesus Christ told us we are not of this world, right? We are just to live in it. So be careful, don't let pride get in the way. Do you deny yourself for the better of the whole? In today's message from Pastor Mark, he teaches you to not let pride get in the way of denying yourself. In the culture that surrounds you, it's easy to not want to deny yourself. You're taught to not let anyone walk over you or hold you down. However, Jesus exampled a way much different. As a Christian, you are to live in this world, but not to be of it. There will be times in your life where, for the betterment of the whole, you will have to deny yourself. To deny yourself is to show others the love of Christ in you, By Christ's example, humbly deny yourself and serve others in love. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Nehemiah chapter 4 for today's edition of Come Alive. Nehemiah chapter 4 is where we will be. Last week, if you'll remember, there was the threat of war. And so this week where we will pick up is in verses 13. Verses 13, and we'll we'll finish the chapter today. And so Nehemiah chapter 4, as we finish it up, It's a good chapter, but we're going to continue to see stuff happening. So again, let's read with verse 13. It says, Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and arose, and I said to the nobles and to the leaders and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord is great and awesome. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So we kind of reviewed that last week. We went over it a couple of times, a few times. What we have to remember is that Nehemiah was hit with a problem. And we're going to be hit with problems as well. As Christians, there's going to be, you might have a great week. I had a great week. And then about midway through yesterday, I got a text message. And it wasn't even that big of a deal. It was just somebody that I was like, man, I'm still dealing with you. And I didn't want to deal with this person. But it was just one of those things where I was like, wow, you know. But you you get a great week. And things will go well. And you're happy. And you're feeling like you're there. And then all of a sudden, boom, something happens. You know, maybe you had a rough week. Some of the guys in the men's study were talking about how tough their week was, you know. And Those things will happen as well. You'll get some good times and you'll get some bad times. You'll have the mountaintop experience, you'll have the valley. But like we always say, the fruit grows in the valley. The fruit grows in the valley. So it's not always going to be mountaintop experiences. Those are few and far between. And as well, they should be. They're just a break from the reality of what's hard. So Nehemiah was hit with a problem. But what he needed to do is he needed to resolve it. If the work was going to end in success... Nehemiah had to resolve this. So 
you know, you have to think about that as well. If your work, whatever it may be, as a parent, it's raising your children. If it's going to end in success, you're going to have to resolve the problems. You're going to have to deal with the problems. And so you have to know people here in Nehemiah's time in this section here, they were tired, they were discouraged, and they were, their nerves were frazzled, and there was a concentrated military threat that was rumbling along the borders of Judah. And as we studied last week that Nehemiah stationed people, we read that just now that he stationed people along the walls by the lower places of the wall. So basically you could think of it this way, here's this wall that's not completely finished, but yet there were people that needed to be part of the wall. They had to become part of the wall so when the enemy showed up, they would be able to defend their brothers and their sisters. And so look what Nehemiah does. It says he prayed and he asked God for help. See, prayer didn't mean, like we said last week, that they were to do nothing. They used their sanctified common sense to do what they should have, protecting against an attack, using willing servants of God to be the wall until the wall was complete. There's a a story I like reading. It talks about, you know, talking about like people, unity. And so just think about if these people who said, well, you know, I don't want to be part of a wall that's dangerous. I got kids and and I got a wife and who's going to take care of them if I'm killed? Well, there's a lot more to lose than just you. And so sometimes, you know, even in the church, there might be a disunity in in a sense. Well, you know, I got this, I got my way, you got your way. And Martin Luther tells of a funny story. He says, when two goats meet upon a narrow bridge over deep water, how do they behave? Well, here's how they behave. Neither of them can turn back again. Neither can pass the other because the bridge is too narrow. If they should thrust one another, they might both fall into the water and be drowned. Nature, then, has taught them that if one lays himself down on the ground and permits the other to walk over him, both remain unhurt. Then he says, even so, people should rather endure to be walked upon than to fall into debate and discord with one another. See, the people could have gone to Nehemiah and argued and complained, look, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, but they submitted themselves. They said, hey, I'm going to do what's required of me. For the betterment of the whole, and that's what you and I as Christians are to do, for the better of the group, for the better of the whole, sometimes it's better just to deny yourself. Now, in our culture, it says, don't let anyone walk on you. Don't let anyone step on you. Don't let the man hold you down. Don't, whatever. Jesus Christ told us we are not of this world, right? We are just to live in it. So be careful. Don't let pride get in the way. There's another guy who says, as in music, if the harmony of the tones are not complete, they are very offensive to the cultivated ear. So if Christians disagree among themselves, they're unacceptable to God. Now, that's pretty extreme, like the part about the music, but it's pretty extreme to say you're unacceptable to God. But when my children disagree and they fight, it makes me crazy. It doesn't make me want to do or bless them with anything good. It makes me want to separate them and say, you go sit in your room, sit in your corner, and you will be punished. But as Christians, as people who are to work together, as we are to live with one another, we are to try to get along. And there's a verse in the Bible my wife uses all, all the time. I don't know the address of that verse, but it says, as much as it is up to me is to keep the peace, right? As, as much as it is up to me, it's to keep peace. Uh, my goal is to try to keep peace always. 
Look at verse 13 and 14 again. These verses tell us that what Nehemiah had did, but we can also think of what Nehemiah could have done, what he could have done in this situation. He could have done nothing. He, he could have been one of those people that said, man, you know what, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to do nothing. He even been a little bit spiritual about it. it. It sounds like this, well, brother, we're just trusting the Lord. We're just trusting in the Lord. We prayed about it. We believe the Lord's going to deliver us somehow. Now, oftentimes I hear that and I'm like, okay, that's cool. If you're a brand new believer, that's kind of a cool thing. And the Lord will rise up and he'll meet that challenge, whatever you're doing. But at some point it's got to stop. We got to be careful because there are people who do this just because it's easier to do nothing. Be not one of those people. Nehemiah also, he, he could have panicked. He could have started thinking it was his job alone to defend against the attack. You know those people that try to do everything themselves? No, I don't need your help. No, I don't need your help. No, I don't need your help. But you know what? A lot of times, you, if you can take the help, you can spread yourself out, and you actually get more done. But he, he, he could have just tried to take it all on himself. What Nehemiah did, though, he did was to wisely and calmly trust God in the midst of the storm and to do the concrete things God would have him to do to obtain the victory. So there are certain things you and I know we need to do to obtain victory in our lives, whatever that situation is that you're going through. See, notice it tells of their weapons. Look there with me. It says their swords, their spears, and their bows. See, Nehemiah had commanded them to bring out their armor. He had commanded them to be prepared. You and me as Christians, we need to be prepared. How do we prepare ourselves? What is our spear? What is our sword? And what is our bow? Well, we know what our sword is. And the New Testament tells us it's the word of God. We prepare ourselves daily for spiritual battle by sharpening that sword, pulling the sword out, looking at it, knowing how to use it, how to wield it. If you just have a Bible that sits as a coffee table Bible, that's cool. You look spiritual, but you know what? Truth will be told if you get into a situation and people will be able to tell whether or not you really use that Bible. We have a big coffee table Bible and when we first bought it, it was in New Mexico, and Jess really liked the old pictures in it and stuff. And she said, can we get this? This would be really cool. And I said, yeah, because we had our own Bibles that we used. And it was a big, probably 40-pound Bible. And one time I thought I would joke around and carry it to church. It was huge. It was as big as my podium. So I carried it to church, and all my friends saw it, and they were giggling. They're like, dude, where did you get that gigantic Bible? You know, And it was kind of like this joke we had in the school of ministry to say, if you're, whoever had the biggest Bible was the most spiritual. And I was like, I walked in church that day and I was like, I win. But I remember sitting there having this thing open and people who didn't really know me very well just kind of staring and be like, dude, that guy, he just picked up his coffee table Bible and came to church. But you know, I mean, that, some people even said they thought that was cool. But when they found out it was a joke, then I just kind of got the stare like, you're dumb. But anyway... So you, you can have it. So our Bibles are, are what we are to use, not just to sit around on the coffee table, not just to, to leave in the back of a car. I, I was reading, there's, if you guys like satire, there's this thing called the Babylon Bee. And it's a very Christian satirical thing. And so they were joking around about how Lifeway has a new dustproof cover for your Bible. And I was like, that's awesome. You know, and the article reads that, you know, when people come over, that Bible doesn't have dust sitting on it. So it always looks like you're using it, you know. 
But sometimes that's the way we are. We just let our Bible sit. We wonder why life is hard, why we can't figure things out. And God's like, man, I got a whole book for you, a whole love letter, a whole uh, instruction manual, an owner's manual of your life is sitting right there, and yet you won't pick it up and look at it. I had to look at the owner's manual yesterday for a car that we have on trying to figure out how to get the battery out because I couldn't get it out, and I had to go in there, and there was a little bitty bolt at the bottom that was holding it in. I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. If it wasn't for that owner, I couldn't pull the owner's manual out of my Ford to tell me what was going on with a GMC. But see, here's what happens with Nehemiah and his guys. It was time for them to get serious. And I think for us as Christians, it's time for us to get serious, to put on the full armor of God, to get ready to fight with every resource they had. That's what these guys were getting ready to do. See, the enemy would see these people stationed at the wall with their weapons, prepared for the attack, and ready for battle. Ready for battle. Let me ask you this question, and you can write it down if you're one of the note takers and stuff. And But write it down and be very honest with yourself. I don't want the answer. You don't have to tell me the answer. It's just for you. But are you really ready for the daily enemy's attack? Are you ready for those attacks from the enemy on a daily basis? You may say no. Maybe you wrote that down. Maybe you're like, no, I'm not. I don't know how to get ready for a spiritual attack. Well, the Bible, I'll tell you, will tell you how to do that. And I'll give you the verses now. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And it talks about the full armor of God. And not just a piece of the armor, but the full armor of God, all of it. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice it says stand, not sit, not run. Not, not running away with your sword pointing in the other direction. And when you think about what this verse says about this armor, when I was a youth pastor in, in Albuquerque, I one time had to teach on this, and I decided to call a museum and ask this lady, what was the armor like in the day of Jesus Christ? And she began to explain it to me. And it was very interesting, but one of the things she had said, and I said, well, you know, we described everything that goes on the front. What about the back? She goes, there was no back pieces why? Well, if you ran away, if you were a Roman soldier running away for a fight, the Romans believed you deserved death. Now, retreat is different. If you stand back, you would never take your eyes off your enemy, but there was no back pieces on this. And so, especially in this time. So, in this, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So, you're able to stand. Verse 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Again, it's repeated, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the the evil day and having done all to stand. And then verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with you, you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, and with perseverance and supplication for all the saints. That's the whole armor. He explains it, gird your waist with truth. You know, your waist is where you turn. So whichever direction you're going to turn, be truthful in that direction. 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is like your heart. That breastplate protects your heart, your vital organs. So make sure you're doing that. The vital things is righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. Guess what? Of peace. That means we are to walk in peace. Our feet represent walking, moving. Above all, taking the shield of faith. You think about a shield in battle. You put a lot of faith in that little piece of material because you're running out there with it on your arm and you're trusting that it's going to block whatever's coming at you, whatever's coming your way. That takes real faith. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't have faith. And we've said it before thousands of times, not here in this building, but as Calvary, we've said it a thousand times, that you have faith. And I can prove how you have faith. You get in your car and you drive home, you have enough faith that your car is going to start. You don't doubt that. You don't sit outside of your car and worry like, oh, no, I don't know if it's going to start. I don't know if it's even going to run. You just get in, you put the key, and you expect it. That's faith. You expect that thing to turn on. You expect yourself to get home without incurring any car accidents. When you sat down, nobody checked the legs of the chairs. You had faith that that chair was going to hold your body. So you have faith, which will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Anything that is said, anything that can come your way, any bad rumor, anything that happens, you can quench that with the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation. So you slip on a helmet because it protects your brain. It protects your head. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with prayer. So God's Word, it says this, and then praying always with prayer. And we see Nehemiah has done this with lots of prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful. The people on the wall are watching for the enemy to this end with all perseverance and supplication. And perseverance is a word that means you continue to do so, regardless of how tired you are, how boring it may be, what you don't like. Just persevere, get through it. Well, we're to do that daily. Then like any great general, he gave them a great war speech of truth. Look at verse 14. He says, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Nehemiah put their mind in the right perspective. He put their mind in the right perspective. Because if you remember how awesome and how great God is when you're going through a hard time, a hardship, something you don't like, whether it be in a relationship or at work or whatever it may be, and how great and awesome God is, if you put yourself in that position and keep your eyes focused on God, it's, a, it's really kind of tough to focus on anything else. Focus on God. Remember how great and awesome that he is. There's no reason for fear. He who was in them was greater than he who is in the world. That's what the New Testament tells us. Then he says, fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. First God, then all the other stuff. First God, and then who? Your brethren, your sons, your wife, your daughter, your wives, your houses. All that other stuff comes second to the Lord. You might be thinking, well, no, I can't buy that. All that other stuff needs to be first. And, but God says, you know what, if you put me first, I'm a jealous God. Put me first. Make sure I'm first. Be obedient to me, the first fruits. We always hear of that. If you put all that first, all that other stuff, all that other stuff, sons, daughters, wives, houses, it all works itself out. Nehemiah reminded them what they were fighting for. He says, hey, you know, God is great and awesome. God's going to help you and gird you up and hold you up, but what are you fighting for? And all these other things in between are there. 
We fight most effectively for the Lord when we keep in mind how much there is to lose. Think about how much there is to lose. You know, that's one of those things that I think about every single day. I often get frustrated. Things happen. And sometimes I think, you know, why am I doing this? Being a pastor is hard. My family and I are constantly under a microscope. We can't turn to the left or to the right without something happening or somebody seeing it or whatever. And oftentimes I'm like, you know what? It would just be awesome to just throw it all in and just let Mark be Mark and let me go do what I want to do. And I can stand in a field and paint my face blue and wear a kilt and scream and yell like Braveheart if that's what I want to do. And nobody will ever say, man, that guy's a freak and he shouldn't be doing that stuff. But every day the first thing I think of when I think let's just throw it all in is, man, what, what about you, the people I fight for in prayer? The people I have come to love who are my closest friends. i got a lot to lose. There's a lot to lose. You, you could be like, well, gosh, if Mark threw in the towel, then we're going to throw in the towel. Not that I'm more spiritual than anyone in here. I think some of you are way more spiritual and, and way awesome as Christians. But there's a lot to lose. My kids would look, and I know as they get older, like, well, Dad did it. and So it automatically should be all right for us to do it. It's hard sometimes. Whether it's work. Well, whether it's just whatever it is, it's hard to do these things, and sometimes you just want to toss in the towel. But see, the battle wasn't for an abstract reason or a pile of rocks or for those people who stood beside them. It was for the Lord. And when you fight for the Lord, then the people that stand beside you become more important, and it was for them as well. Look at verse 15. It says, And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. See, the plan worked. The plan worked out. Once the enemy heard that the Jews were aware of their plot, they changed their minds. Nehemiah recognized that God had frustrated their plans. See, he didn't get up there and go, dude, my idea worked. It was awesome. I have got to be the greatest general, governor, whatever I feel to call myself. No, no, no. He said it was the Lord that did it. Look back with me. It says, and God had brought their plot to nothing. He put it in perspective. He knew it was God that had done it, that it wasn't him, that God had, he prayed. God gave him the brain and the wisdom to do what he needed to do by putting people on the wall. The enemy see it and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't going to be as easy as we thought it was going to be. We might want to rethink this a little bit. The enemy knew they would lose. What the enemies wanted was for the people of God to hand them the victory on a silver platter through failing to watch and be ready. Every time you open the Bible, you witness God stepping into situations that seem difficult and even hopeless. He takes those times of insecurity and people of little courage and creates warriors, building good up where evil had taken control. In Nehemiah, you've been witnessing this same story as God has led his people to rebuild the wall around their city. God had promised to restore Israel, and he kept his word. If God did this for his people time and time again, doesn't it hold true that he'll do that for you as well? God still makes promises today, and he continues to fulfill them. We're so glad you joined us today for Come Alive. You can hear more teachings from Pastor Mark at comealiveradio.com or join us next time to continue studying Nehemiah. Before we end our time with you, though, Tracy has a request to share. Here at Come Alive, we want to make sure we're following God, 
not what other people around us are saying. With everything we do, we want to honor our Creator and point people to salvation. That's where you come in. We'd appreciate your prayers for Pastor Mark and all of us here at Come Alive. Would you lift us up to the Lord each time you listen to our program? Thank you for interceding on our behalf. Would you consider donating to Come Alive too? Any amount is helpful, and you can easily donate by texting 77977. That's 77977. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this, and thanks for tuning in for today's edition of Come Alive. Some slaves are what we want.